Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. And welcome in to another edition of Believe in Titans podcast as the countdown to training camp continues. We are here to discuss for one more week before training camp, I guess, uh, the state of the Titans with Denard Walker, former Titans cornerback. Denard, how are you? I'm doing great, David. How are you and John doing? I'm doing great. John? I'm doing well as well. John, of course, being John Glennon of all Titans at SI.com. You can can find his work, my work there uh, at SI.com slash NFL slash Titans. And we appreciate you uh, appreciate you all checking back this week. As I say, we are recording this on Tuesday, one week before players officially report for the start of training camp. But uh, before we get into that, let's let's look back a little bit. One player who won't be in camp anywhere this year is uh, is former Titans cornerback Jason McCourty. And uh, I think we would be remiss if uh, if we didn't note the fact that Jason announced his retirement uh Last uh, last Friday, after uh, ending what was a, uh, I think by anyone's standards, a a very fine career. Denard, you know, you you didn't overlap with Jason McCourty, but uh, I assume you're familiar with his work, and and I'm curious what what your impressions of him as a as a player and a person are. Well, you know what, uh, Jason McCourty is is one of my favorite players. I didn't need to prep very hard for this discussion because he is a former six round draft pick that end up spending 13 years in the national football league. How many times do you see that? And what was interesting, I was reading this uh, little article and it, he wasn't highly, um, he wasn't uh, one of those guys that uh had a huge radar, as, as I like to say, you know, he didn't have the spotlight on him when he was at Rutgers. And it was amazing that he wasn't even invited to the uh, NFL combine. 
So Jason came up the hard way. <laughs> that, that's a tough way to make it in the league. And it was interesting that when he went to pro day back in 2009, a lot of the scouts were there to see Kenny Britt. You know, then you remember the quarterback, Mike Till, who was highly rated, uh, Taekwon Underwood, those guys. And, you know, and Jason came out and put on a show and Tennessee ended up drafting him and the rest is history. But what I love about him is he was a solid football player. He didn't have a thousand interceptions. I think he finished up with what, about 18 picks over 13 years. He reminded me of Denar Walker. Uh, he didn't get a lot of interceptions, but he got a lot of pass breakups. And what he was, he was consistent. He was a consistent player in Nashville. He was consistent in Miami. He was consistent in Cleveland. He is an underrated player, and what a what a great way he capped off his career in 2018. He won the Super Bowl, joining his twin brother and uh, Devin. So again, he had an illustrious 13 year career, and I wish him well. And last but not least, uh, there's been some rumors that he's going to end up filling my former teammate Nate Burleson on Good Morning Football, and I think that would be a huge addition to that show. Yeah, John Glennon, when you think you hear the name Jason McCourty, what, what comes to mind? What do you think of with him? Uh, the first word that comes to mind for me is class. Uh, just a uh, just such a quality uh, individual, I think. And, uh, you know, he, he suffered through some pretty dark years uh, here with the Titans. You know, he played eight years uh, in Tennessee, and uh, two of those years were winning years. Um, and he went through a 2-14 and 14 and a 3-13 and 13. And, you know, all through that time, you know, he, he was a guy from our standpoint and uh, aspect in the media, you know, was was just tremendous to deal with. Uh, never had a, had a bad day with us. Uh, you know, never was uh, was was bitter, was angry, anything along those lines. He was another guy, too, I think that, you know, we had a big discussion about mentors earlier uh, this offseason when the whole Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis issue came up. Um, Jason McCordy is a guy who made no bones about it. He was absolutely going to be a mentor to younger guys uh, because he always said he had learned from guys that, that Denard is uh, familiar with, certainly guys like, you know, Chris Hope and Cortland Finnegan and Rod Hood. And he said from his time here in Tennessee, and I know he also said it in New England, uh, didn't matter if guys were competing for the same jobs. He was going to be teaching them. He was going to be working with them. He felt, uh, you know, it's his obligation uh, to, to pass that on. And, uh, you know, I, I guess finally for his career, it was such a tough break for him because it just looked, you know, as, as the Titans were turning towards a better team, you know, they had that nine and seven record in 2016. Well, that was his last year here after he had suffered through so many poor ones, um, you know, and, and of course he, he, he moved to uh, after the Titans cut him to save money under the cap. Uh, he went to Cleveland and they don't win a game in, in 2017. Wow. So you think, Geez, poor Jason McCourty's never going to catch a break. That's why it was so awesome uh, to see the uh, that year in uh, New England where he wins that Super Bowl with his brother, and, and glad to see him, um, you know, going out to a, a different career here. Uh, just a just a quality individual. Yeah, I, I think he'll be uh, he'll be a natural on TV. I mean, he he and his brother have done their own podcast that is that is interesting, and I think really well done. Even even his. Uh, you know, his retirement announcement had some real production value to it. I mean, this is, this is clearly a guy who has, who has thought about being in front of the camera. And, and it's interesting, Denard, you, you use the, use the word underrated to talk about him. And, and in some ways, I, I, I think he was a little overrated though, in that, uh, in that, you know, he wasn't 
a great player. He was never a great player, right? Never, never made the Pro Bowl and, and probably never was in a, you know, played well enough that you said, well, he should have made the Pro Bowl. He kind of, he kind of got jobs this year, but, but had a great career based on what you also pointed out, Denar, that he was a sixth round pick, right? Most sixth round picks don't even make it in the don't league, let it. alone 13 years and whatnot. And he was a, he was a proven starter for a long period of time. And he was, he was remarkably consistent and, 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 you know, not a guy that you could count on to, to eliminate uh, the, the other team's best receiver, for example, but, uh, but a guy that you could count on to play, within the scheme properly all the time and to be at the right place and to, and to do those sorts of things. He was, uh, uh, and, and the fact that, that he is such a good guy and was so engaging with the media and so good with the public and, and doing charity works and that sort of thing. I, I think people think about him as being more than what he was as a player, but I, I think his career, I guess to sum it up is his career was defined by more than just the numbers that he put up because uh, because I, I I think there's a lot of first round picks in this world who would love to ultimately have the kind of career that that Jason McCourty had. So salute to Jason and uh, and, and wish him well with Good Morning Football yeah. and or whatever uh, whatever else comes down the uh, comes down the pipe for him and I, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of opportunities. Um, looking ahead now. Um, John Glenn, and I know you're a fan of of Warren Sharp, who does Sharp's football analysis, and uh, and and I know some Titans fans are talking about this on on Twitter and whatnot. He uh, he recently here last couple of days put out a ranking of the uh, the the NFL's front sevens. Why why don't you take it from here? Talk about what he what he talked about and what uh, where he has the Titans surprisingly. Yes, I would say very surprisingly to me. Uh, I, li- I do like uh, Warren Sharp's uh, stuff. He's got a great site. Uh, you know, he, he does all kinds of things with analytics and, and numbers. Um, tremendous amount of information on his site, uh, which is why this particular uh, tweet that he sent out in terms of ranking the NFL's front sevens uh, really threw me for a loop. Uh, you know, I, I think all of us have talked all offseason long about how impressed we are by the Titans front seven and how we consider it probably one of the better ones in the league. And old Warren um, uh, has them ranked as the 20th best uh, front seven in the league, which just kind of mind blowing to, to me. I, I would say it's hard to, to drop them below top 10, my, my personal opinion, uh, let alone 20th. Uh, now he came up. He had a couple of numbers that he threw out there. I don't know whether these are his personal, you know, stats that that he keeps or what. But he said that the Titans were 25th in pressure rate and 28th in pressure rate on near blitzes last year. Um, I, I'm not sure I, I follow or, or know where those stats are necessarily coming from. Um, but all I know is that both in terms of against the run and against the pass, I thought this front seven was tremendous. You know, it's, it's not just about rushing the passer mm-hmm. when you talk about the front seven and you look at this group against the run, number two against the run. I think, you know, just about 85 yards a game uh, against the run last year. And certainly, a, you know, most of that credit goes to the front seven. But, you know, in, in terms of, of getting after the quarterback too, there, there's so many stats that kind of counter uh, what Warren Sharp was saying, and, and you know, one of them 
you know, they were they had almost a seven percent sack rate on all on all you know plays that they were getting after the quarterback. That was thirteenth in the league last year. Certainly a jump up from uh, from twentieth, but. You know, you, you look at the individuals and what they did. The Titans are the only team in the NFL at three guys over eight sacks in Autry, Landry, and Simmons. You know, they uh, 42 sacks overall, and that doesn't include the nine they dropped on Joe Burrow in the uh, in the game last year, the playoff game. Throw also toss on the on the pile there too the fact that they're getting a healthier bed Bud Dupree uh, this year, and that Zach Cunningham, another member of the front seven. Um, you know, is going to be playing a full season. So I don't, I'm not sure where, where Warren is coming from on those rankings, but I'm not buying 20th uh, for the Titans. Denard Walker, you, you, you sort of shook your head and at, at one point in there. So I want, I want to ask you this. What, what does the average football fan maybe not understand about the front seven and what they're, what they're doing up there and, and what, what their job is, you know, from play to play because it's not it's not always necessarily no. just the guy on the ground right first of all warren sharp has a lot of time on his hands what is a near blitz <laughs> i was hoping it. you knew that i, too. I don't <laughs> know what a near blitz is uh, excuse me not non-blitzes non-blitz okay not, not non-blitz okay yeah. well that's even that's worse but <laughs> let me let me just say this as i played this game for a long time from the time i was eight years old and i retired when i was on my 33rd birthday and I played the first, let me, let me give you kind of a, a kind of like an overview. So you took the first years and at Nashville in 1997 and 1998, uh, we were in those two years, 16 and 16 uh, in 1999, we go off, we get some player out of the university of Florida named Javon curse. I heard now, of he, him. he changed the whole graphic. I mean, everything changed. The reason that it changed was because now we were getting pressure to the quarterback, which made it easier for the back half to cover because we didn't have to cover that long. See, when you have a player like Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Autry, Bud Dupree, Harold Landry, and they're getting pressure. When I'm talking about pressure, you look at Jeffrey Simmons, he was what? 58 quarterback pressures last year. Do you understand that when a quarterback can't just sit in the pocket, he can't just pick you off. There's no guy in this league that can cover for five or, or 10 seconds. That's, that's not going to happen. So when you're getting pressure, you're flustering that quarterback out of the pocket. You look at Joe Burrow. He was wanting for his life, that whole game in Nashville. That's what you want. You get a quarterback out of his comfort zone, it makes it easier in the back half to cover. A lot of times when you go back to 2000, when Javon and Kenny was on the edges and they were consistently getting to the quarterback, I mean, there was times where you knew as a defensive back, only thing you have to do is hold up about three to four seconds. If you can stay in coverage, half of the time when you turn around, the ball is thrown right to you. We had a, a corner that went, to the pro Bowl that year by the name of Samari Rowe. I can tell you in the eight interceptions that he had, probably five of those I attributed to the fact that your defensive line is able to get pressure on the quarterback because a lot of times the quarterback was throwing the ball right to us. And then the other guy, Denar Walker, he missed about eight interceptions. That's why he wasn't named to the pro Bowl. <laughs> so that's how vital your defensive line is. David, if you have a great, solid defensive line, it makes your job in the back half so much easier. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine. I mean, you just put Jeffrey Simmons on any defensive line right now, and, and 
I, I feel like that puts you in the top half of the league right now because he's so special. And and let's be honest, not a lot of teams have a guy like Danico Autry who can who can line up a lot of different places. He can even he can even come from the two point stance out on the edge. And and you know there was talk last season how he was splitting time between the the defensive line room and the outside linebacker room because uh, because he he wanted to you know he wanted to have a good feel for you know what was what was going on what what he needed to do on a particular play depending on where he was lined up and uh, uh you, you know that that that's a that's a pretty special guy there too the the fact that bud dupree is going to be is going to be healthy and and better has to make this unit better than it was last year too john you mentioned that i i mean it just it, it's just boggling to me what what do you i'll go back to you john for the final thought on this like how do you think he could be this wrong about this? I I don't know. Maybe he misread his, his numbers. <laughs> this is like, like I say, it's not like it's a, you know, if, if he had ranked him, I don't know, you know, maybe a 10th or something like that, you know, maybe you could try to defend that position if you're Warren Sharp, uh, you know, but, but I think we have been talking all off season ever since last year about this group. Like I say, I, I would feel comfortable saying they're one of the top five, front seven without going over every roster in the NFL right here. But what we saw and, and how they improved during the year, you know, I, I think they've got great potential. And, you know, when you mentioned uh, Denard, certainly that the quarterback pressure stats, um, you know, when you combine those three guys, the kind of the big three in that regard, Landry, Autry, and Simmons from last year, 151 quarterback pressures. That's a pretty impressive number for, for just three guys alone. Uh, and like you say, you know, when, whenever you fluster quarter, the quarterback, you, you've taken a big step in the right direction. And, and they, the, this front seven was a huge reason. Uh, you know, the Titans were, uh, you know, a top 10 team, I, I believe. Maybe even what somebody might know this better than I, maybe even a top five or, or probably five to 10 in terms of points against uh, last year. Um, you know, and, and I think the front seven gets a lot of credit there. So, Warren, love your stuff, babe, but uh, don't don't know where you're coming from on this one. Okay, so spinning forward, then as, as we uh, as we said, training camp is coming up. There's going to be a lot of roster wrangling going on, a lot of discussion about who's looking good, who's doing, who's not, what what position groups are are performing well. Uh, John, we'll stick with you. Uh, is is the defensive front? the best position group on this Titans team right now, or if not, what, what, what group do you see as, as the best, what, which one do you have the most confidence in right now? Yes. I think uh, uh, along those very lines, I, you know, if I'm picking one position to have the most confidence in uh, for the Titans heading into camp, it has to be the D line. And I'm incorporating Danico Autry, even though he kind of went back and forth, I'll incorporate him into the D line, which gives uh, certainly the Titans, Danico Autry, Jeffrey Simmons coming off a, a, a monster year. Uh, you know, as, as I said, um, you know, both those guys had huge uh, sack numbers, uh, huge quarterback pressure numbers, uh, you know, and, and what I also like is that kind of the third member of the line, you know, I, I thought both a couple of uh, undrafted free agents, you know, Tier Tart more the first half of the year, and then the second half more uh, Naquan Jones, I thought performed very, you know, uh, admirably in their roles. And I like what the Titans have depth-wise, too. You know, it's not just those guys, but, you know, they've got some veteran guys now. you got Demarcus Walker, 
Deshaun Hand, you know, Kevin Strong, uh, two of the uh, best undrafted free agent defensive linemen. We've talked about them uh, in previous podcasts, Jaden Peavy, Texas A&M, Haskell Garrett um, from Ohio State. Both will be uh, competing at nose, I suspect, also. So there's not only talent among the, the top group, but there is depth at this uh, position as well. Denard Walker, as you look down this roster, what uh, what position group do you really like or gives you the most confidence right now? Well, I'm going to piggyback off of John. He took everything that I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was glad to get that one first. You know yeah. what? Because to me, it, it starts up front. You know, earlier I was I had a chance to kind of go back and I was looking at this team statistics in 2020. And can you tell me in 2020 what team had 15 sacks going into the last game of the season, which would have been the least amount of sacks in a season in the National Football League? The Titans. Oh, no. So you're saying the Titans. So think about it. If I was the coach of the Titans, and I'm glad I wasn't at the time, <laughs> if I was Terrell Williams, would you say, you know what, if your group don't pick it up, you, you're going to be out of here. You're going to be looking for a new job. But what I love the most about this team, uh, John and David, is the fact that they went from, what, 15 sacks to, what, an amazing 43 sacks in 2021. That is unbelievable. I mean, you look at that turnaround. And then I love the fact that you add some key veterans this year. You're talking of like John, as he alluded to, Demarcus Walker, Kevin Strong, Deshaun Hand. Then you got my man Haskell, Garrett, Jaden Peavy. You got some monsters that are going to be in camp this year competing for position. But what I love about this unit, and I talk, I love this underrated player, is Mr. Tierra Tart. I want to see how he's going to evolve this year. I know there was a lot of hype last year. I know in 2020, coming in, he was an undrafted free agent out of Florida International. And now, I know last year, everybody was talking about, like, the process, how his body changed. They talked about the way that he was practicing. And he started off this season. He played well. Unfortunately, he got hurt. But what I love about this team is the depth. And when Naquan Jones stepped in, I I go to the game against Buffalo. Naquan Jones showed out, David. I'm telling you something. He is an underrated player. And I'm anticipating that's going to be a battle in 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 a it could be a difference between someone out and someone staying in. But I want to see how Larell Merchantson, I want to see the steps that he's going to take in 2022 because this was their former fifth-round pick out of NC State. And I know this year when you're talking about you're drafted that high and now you're bringing in some veterans, it's going to be tough to make this team. So I'm looking at Larell Merchantson this year in camp and saying, hey, this is a guy that is not only on the ropes – but this is a chance for him to show why he was drafted so high in 2020. So again, that defensive line, the battles this year in camp, I'm just anticipating what's going to happen there. Yeah. I, I can't argue with, with anything either of you have said, certainly that is a, uh, that is a well-constructed group right now, both from a, a training camp perspective. And I think however, you know, whatever happens in terms of roster battles injuries, whatever, it's going to be a good, solid position group when you get to the start of the regular season. But just for the sake of variety, I'm going to I'm going to talk about the safety group, which I, I think is, uh, is is really interesting. Of course, you, you mentioned safeties. You have to start with Kevin Byard and and safety is a position in this league where you can sort of age more gracefully 
than uh, than some other positions. I think you know you can you can really put your experience to work in terms of uh, in terms of understanding what the quarterback is doing and and you know cheating to cheating a step one way or another. And 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 if you're wrong, you have time to you have time to recover. If you're right, you're you're in position to make a play. And certainly, you know, we see that with Kevin Byard. This is a guy who is uh, who, who is he still seems like he's getting better in some areas, even as as good as he has been you pair him with Amani Hooker who is uh you know he was a he was a really productive player in college and and the the numbers he put up last year when he was healthy and playing alongside Bayard uh you know all the analytics show that that these two guys are a really interesting pair and then you know Theo Jackson this year's sixth round draft pick I think is a player who is going to be one of those that that they're going to have to you know, the coaches are going to be looking for ways to get him on the field, find packages to use him, find way. I I think this is this is a guy who is going to be you know, going to be one of those players that a couple of years from now you're going to be saying, "Wow, that was a that was a great pick in the sixth round to to get a guy as as versatile and and who makes the kind of plays he does." And then just for for balance sake, for safety sake, for special teams purposes you have uh, you have the veteran AJ Moore who is uh, he's he's basically I think what Dane Crookshank has been to this team uh, and maybe a little bit bigger a little bit a little bit more durable so that that's a group that I think you know it's worth watching in the preseason and going into the season it's, it's a group not a lot of people are going to be talking about I think because it's because it it's settled in a lot of ways it it you kind of you kind of understand the pecking order it's clear uh and and, and certainly there's no concerns about a Kevin Byard or, or an Amani Hooker but I, I think that's uh you know similar to the defensive line it's it's a well-constructed it's a well-constructed really it should be a really productive group there. So I think, uh, and, and in this, you know, in this day and age, it's, it's not your free safety and your strong safety, right? It's, it, you, you see these guys as interchangeable and, uh, and, and how the coaches decide to use Bayard and, uh, and hooker with each other is, is because of, because they both have a measure of experience and because they play together and they can communicate well, I think makes that a, a, a really dynamic pairing too. Um, we'll flip this then. These are groups we like, groups we have confidence in. John Glennon, we, we've talked about some of these issues over the last couple of weeks. Which which position group concerns you most about the Tennessee Titans headed into training camp? Well, not surprisingly, I'm going to move to the other side of the ball, as that's where the uh, majority of the questions are for the uh, for the Titans coming into camp. Um, a tough call there. You could probably you can probably go a few ways here, but. Uh, I, I just, um, you know, offensive line for me is the one that, that jumps out uh, right away to me, even over wide receivers, uh, because, you know, in some ways, even if you, you've got quality wide receivers, if you don't have an offensive line, you're going to have a hard time getting the ball to the, to the wide receivers. And, you know, you, you go down the list on the offensive line and they're kind of questions really almost about uh, on every starter. You know, Taylor Lewan certainly, uh, you know, has, has uh, done well over the, the uh, his, his Titans career. Uh, things have not gone quite as well probably the last few years. In fact, he's, he's only played 30 games the last three seasons because of injuries, because of suspension. Uh, you know, I, I think he'll be better this year. He's a, he's a year removed from the ACL. Uh, so it should be better, but you don't know for sure. Left guard, you go, okay, Aaron Brewer, 
you know, he's, Aaron Brewer strikes me as the kind of guy who's a great, valuable reserve guy. He's versatile. He's scrappy. He's ready to go on a, on a moment's notice. He's going to give you everything. But does that mean he's going to be a great starter? I don't know. Uh, you know, and he's your left guard right now. Ben Jones, solid. Uh, good job. Not much to, to worry about. I don't think it's center. Uh, you got a right, right guard, Nate Davis. You know, I, th- I thought probably in, in at least part of the reason because of COVID, two COVIDs and a concussion, uh, or maybe even two concussions last year, you know, sort of stalled uh, to me, especially in terms of pass protection. And you wonder, okay, you, you kind of stalled. Does that mean you're, you're going to go back up this year or you're going to slide? Well, we'll have to see there. And of course, uh, the other, the right tackle, we're still wondering. Uh, again, Dylan Radens, you know, was solid in one game, but but does one game, uh, you know, mean you're ready to be the starting right tackle? I don't know. Um, so a lot of questions uh, on that uh, line. And let's remember that last year, when there were seemingly fewer questions, this gave up a kind of set. So uh, offensive line is going to have to prove itself. Denard Walker is is wide receiver your biggest concern or is it is it offensive line where where do you see potential trouble right now? Well, you know, John alluded to the fact last week about why this you was talking about why this team was ranked so low coming into the season and and John you pointed out the receiving core and I kept you know I, I'm glad I'm going to get a chance to talk about this because as I I looked over the receiving core and I was thinking if you're the Titans coming into this season, you were expecting your number one receiver being A.J. Brown, right? That's who you, we, we all no were, were. No question. You were saying your number two is going to be Robert Woods and number three would be Nick Westbrook-Akine. Not one of us, I'm pretty sure, was saying that even though you draft Traylon Burks uh, in the first round, he's going to come in. He's going to be a day one starter. So I was anticipating Traylon being your fourth receiver, possibly your fifth because you still got some experience with Des Fitzpatrick. But now that is a that's not the scenario because when you look at this team now, your number one starter could be your rookie Traylon Burks. And we've been talking about some of the issues he had on the practice field. And then when you look at your number two, you have a 30-year-old uh 10-year veteran in Robert Woods who's coming off of ACL surgery and then you have your leading receiver at least <laughs> coming into the season will be <laughs> Nick Westbrook Ipine. So when you look at this team from a receiving core, you end up losing over nearly 3,000 yards in receiving and over 185 receptions and well over what nearly 25 touchdowns. That's a heck of a resume in three years. He's gone. He's now in Philadelphia. So the question mark for this team, well, who will, who's going to step up this year in 2022 and take the lead role from a team that many scouts, and I'm pretty sure a lot of critics are saying they're not that good on the perimeter. Are you going to base your offense around number 22? I don't think that that's going to, how long is that going to uh, last? Because what you don't want is for teams to say, listen, when we play Tennessee, the only person that we have to stop is Derrick Henry. When you start doing that, what happens is a, a defense, can, they can play more aggressive. What you don't want is to start stacking safeties in the box now saying, listen, the way that you're going to beat us is on the perimeter. And if you stop the running game, what will you do on the edges? We saw that in the playoff game. This team was abysmal against Cincinnati. You only had what one play where AJ caught the long touchdown. But other than that, they were uh, 
they were really not even there. So again, the perimeter game is probably going to determine the fate of this team because you know what a healthy Derrick Henry you know what this team is capable of doing. They're capable of being one of the most explosive teams in the National Football League. But if a team says, listen, if you can't beat us on the perimeter, we're going to stack the box and play more aggressive, play more man and blitz you even more. So I want to see how will the perimeter game pan out in 2022. And, and that puts more pressure on the offensive line, which, as John pointed out, you, you know, has uh, has questions. It, it's it's almost a it's almost a coin flip for me between between those two units. And um, I'm, I'm going to say that, that probably the offensive line concerns me a little bit more just because the, the two guys that you really like that, that you that you feel most comfortable with Ben Jones and Taylor Lewan are not getting any younger. You know, ben Jones it looked like was playing hurt all year last year. I I, I have my doubts that, that Ben Jones is going to be able to to be on the field for 16, 15, 16, 17 games this year. This might be the season that he finally succumbs to an injury and, and misses half the year or so. And and then what happens? And uh, you know, Lawan, John pointed it out. Lawan is 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 at the point in his career where he's missing time sort of every year. And we, you know, we saw it against Chandler Jones at the start of last year. He's also capable now of, of a, a really terrible game. If he, if he ends up in a, in, in a mismatch of, for whatever reason. So I'm going to, I'm going to say that the, uh, that the offensive line is the, is the bigger concern to me because on top of that, at least at least with the wide receivers you can you can see how Traylon Burks could be a really good productive player you could see how Robert Woods could could do some things for this offense if he's healthy enough and uh, and and there's you know no no one's giving up on Des Fitzpatrick yet there's you know there there are some there is there is some hope there if if Ben Jones gets hurt you know, are, are, is there, I think there's going to be a big fall off at center. If, if Taylor Lewan gets hurt, I think there's a big fall off. If, if Dylan Radens isn't what you're looking for at, at right tackle, then, you know, you're, you're, you're in trouble there. You've already been trending the wrong direction. I think, you know, if you go back to the last couple of years, Dennis Kelly probably wasn't as good as Jack Conklin last year. David Quesenberry wasn't as good as, uh, as Dennis Kelly. And and now you're, you're trying to find another guy at that spot in, in Raidens who, uh, who has not inspired a lot of confidence in anybody. So it's, uh, you know, we, we've, we've discussed a lot of this throughout the off season. And, and here we are, as I said, a week before the start of training camp and uh, not, not that you expected massive moves, but, but nothing has been done to address it. This is, you know, this is what the Titans are going to have when they start training camp at, at both of these position groups. And, uh, and they're going to have to, they're going to have to find something. They're going to have to, going to have to figure it out as, uh, as they get going here. And I think that uh, that is going to do it for us today. Time is uh, our, our time has come. So, uh, as I say, next time we get together, it'll be actual training camp time. One of the uh, one of the most exciting and wonderful times of the year for uh, for football fans. Denard, did you uh, when you were playing? Did you dread the week before training camp? Like, <laughs> what, what were those days like? Was it a was it a sad countdown? Was it a happy countdown? Did, no, give us, give us a quick sense of that. No, I love training camp, especially with Coach Fisher. Uh, training camp for me was fun. Uh, like I said before, Jeff 
uh, Jeff. Well, that's what we call them. But <laughs> Coach Fisher, I know it, it, I, I used to call him Mr. Fisher when I first came in and then I started calling him Jeff. But, you know, he always made training camp fun for the guys. We, I mean, we competed. We had fun. But we knew the last two years, at least that I was there in 99 and 2000, we knew that we had a team that was going to make a lot of noise and possibly in 2000 we knew we were the team to beat we were just going to build off of last year's performance and we knew we were going to be better because we lost the Super Bowl so for us we didn't go into training camp you know saying you know this guy's going to be out we we had some additions to the team Carl Pickens joined us you remember Pick from Tennessee um who else uh came in oh Randall Godfrey came over from Dallas. So we were, well, we were yeah, a great, a great player. And what we were trying to do is just make sure that those guys can fit into our system. Uh, but training camp back then was just, it was about getting ready for the season. It really was, it was about getting yourself better and mentally going for another Super Bowl run. So that's, that's was, that was our approach entering training camp, especially that last year that I was there in Tennessee. All right. Well, we will, uh, we will let that be the final word today. Denard, thank you as always. Thank you, David and John, as usual. You guys are great. <laughs> we, we, we enjoy it. Certainly, John, thank you. All right. Thank you, guys. And hope, uh, hope all of you out there enjoyed that. And we will, uh, we will talk to you again next week. Until then, this is the Believe in Titans podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.